1: The on the Illini Enquirer podcast, Jay Lehman, All-American linebacker, joins us to give us his thoughts on Illinois football's 30-28 to 28 win over Toledo. Boy, we've had a lot of time to sit here and kind of digest it. I rewatched the film. You can check out my film review at Illini Enquirer. And uh, Jay Lehman does his film review. That'll be up on the site on Tuesdays. We'll always learn something new with Jay Lehman on our film review. So go check that out if you're not a VIP member. You can get 50% off a VIP membership right now, but that deal is expiring in just uh, probably within 24 hours of you listening to this or us publishing it uh, at our podcast feed. So go check that out. But you do learn a lot from Jay in the podcast, as always. And he gives his thoughts on the good, Luke Altmeier. How good is he? The secondary, surprisingly, surprisingly, really, really competitive. Maybe, maybe surprisingly. But uh, Miles Scott, big plays. Xavier Scott, big plays. Uh, We just saw them play pretty pretty well but uh, the struggles were surprising offensive line defensive line that's supposed to be what this team is built on how big of a concern is that moving forward or is this an outlier was it scheme based was it what was it Jay Layman dives into it with us so Jay Layman 30 minutes breaking down what he saw of an actual football game after eight nine months of talking about what this team could be we finally saw a little bit And some of it was encouraging in a win and some of it was concerning. And he breaks it down next on the Wanna Enquirer podcast. This episode of the Illini Enquirer podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. Do you ever find that just as you're trying to fall asleep, your brain suddenly won't stop talking? Do your thoughts start racing right before bed or other inopportune times? It turns out one great way to make those racing thoughts go away is to talk them through. And therapy gives you a place to do that so you can get out of your negative thought cycles and find some mental and emotional peace. Listen, I've had times in my life, whether it's personal relationships, work, Got that thing eating at me, thinking about what's coming up next, or the anxiety of all of that comes with it, or even parenting. I deal with that kind of stuff all the time, and therapy empowers you to be the best version of yourself, something that most of us are trying to achieve. It really helps to talk it out and talk it through, and if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. And you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. If you're not vibing with therapists, you can go find another no additional charge. Get a break from your thoughts and visit BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot all right, Jay Lehman, we get to talk about actual football, and there's a lot of interesting things in Illinois' 30-28 win over Toledo. Should, should we start with the, the most exciting thing, the most positive thing out of this, Jay?
0: Let's do it. Now, we got a win, number one, and probably Luke Altmaier.
1: Yes, I was going to go there. Illinois gets a win in large part because his quarterback made a ton of big plays. One big mistake, but let's dive into that. People want to hear about Luke Altmeyer. What are your thoughts about him?
0: Uh, first of all, I'm trying to remember a better quarterback debut for a player um, for Illinois in, in, a, in a big game like this. I mean, I think this was a, this was a, an excellent debut, number one. Uh, really, really surpre- – we had heard rumors that he was athletic. But, again, he's probably never taken a hit since he's been in Illinois uh, just because they've been protecting him. How is he going to be physically – he took some shots – And really stuck it up, not just on the edges and scrambles. He he ran it up the middle quite a few times on on his own read or keep or scramble and made stuff happen. Um, His arm was as advertised, accurate, great touch. Uh, Not colossal zip, but certainly enough for the college level to be highly effective. Um, I think, though, all that aside, I think what he showed uh, in the second half, uh, leading the team back, but also in that fourth quarter drive, uh, the, the last drive and just the way he was able to step into the throw with someone bearing down on him uh, admitted in the post-game interview, he didn't see much basically threw it to a spot to Casey Washington. I mean, that speaks volumes not only to a fan base, but to your team, you see a guy do that and you immediately go from, I'm a leader cause I'm a quarterback to I'm the guy. Right. And so, um, in that locker room, there's nobody more respected today than Luke Altmeyer for what he did. There's a lot of different pieces that played into that moment, which we're going to break down. But at the end of the day, you have to really give the game ball to Luke Altmeyer and also Barry Lunny. I thought Barry Lunny did a phenomenal job getting Illinois back into the game. Only had 24 snaps that first half, so was really unable to get into a rhythm because the penalties different things. But uh, Barry Lunny giving Luke Altmeyer a chance to really excel when he needed it most.
1: Yeah, Jay, I think we saw in the spring that the tools were there for Luke
0: Altmaier, right? He,
1: he's got the arm, he's got the touch, he, he's got the athleticism, but my big question was, how does he look under the lights? How does he look after that first big mistake? And it was a terrible throw. Right. It was a terrible decision, terrible. but it was the only bad decision. Like he, he came back, terrible. and the way he responded to that, um, I, I thought was really telling. And, and to as you said, I don't know if, I mean, there was probably some miracle in that throw, uh, but he gave sure. him he gave his guy a chance, and to take that hit sure. to make that throw, I would imagine Jay. Those guys in the locker room after that game are saying
0: we might have a dude here. We and and I think everybody does think that after what he did, um, you know, and also a, a kind of a patchwork offensive line at that point of the game, mm-hmm. you know, because Adams had moved over from left tackle to right tackle, then Adams gets banged up. Then Dengeski moves out to right tackle. So now we're we're not quite at third string tackle, but we're close, right? And they had one of the best pass rushers on him, hit him with a spin move. And, you know, for Luke to get that ball off, to throw it away, was that on a fourth and four, gave Casey Washington an absolute chance. So that was the high point. I think Illinois fans, and, and we followed this program for a very long time, are accustomed to losing close games, to mm-hmm. having a quarterback that can't make the throw, to being – just close enough to messing it up um down the stretch and i think it's a sign of maturity for this football team able to win this game um which is a which is a big win right and i'll say one thing about the mistake and uh, i think everybody knows it one you're throwing to josh mccray not a great receiver at this point in his life right uh, he certainly can get better he was triple covered. i mean over under everything certainly a forced ball it's like he locked in but to your point, how did he respond after that? He responded in a very great way and, and you know, led to two more touchdowns. All right, Jay,
1: you mentioned Barry Loney. I want you to dive into that a little bit more. What did you see out of him? Because obviously that opening script was fantastic. They did turn it over on downs sure. deep in Toledo territory, but then they have two huge right. – or three huge scoring drives in the second half.
0: Yeah, so I think Barry Loney had a great script going in. Uh, one, you saw who he wanted to get the ball to. I mean, we saw that – Tip Ryman got some touches. Pat Bryant got some touches. Isaiah Williams got some touches, and Reggie Love got some touches. That was about what we expected for guys that needed to get touches. But what I loved is the misdirection, uh, some of the creativity. You know, uh, you know, we've been accustomed to seeing what I would call the jet sweep pass, just a little flip forward to Isaiah Williams, and he makes it up, made it, put it into a counter play where Williams stopped in the an eye and he countered around. I like the little crossing patterns, but he had time to throw it to. to To actually do those routes right uh got pat bryant pat bryant and casey washington i think we have in those guys two guys that can really catch contested catches on the slant route which we saw over and over saw pat bryant early in that drive and then in the second, i I thought like they got way out of rhythm so they had some penalties i think that second or third drive of the game Mm -hmm. that set them back right uh put them in you know third and long and uh, unable to really convert and any coordinator when backed up, and this goes on the inverse for Toledo's, we'll talk about when they're backed up, you don't have nearly as much rhythm. So they kept having self-inflicted wounds. And again, only 24 plays in that first half, 10 of which were probably on that first drive, you know? So, I mean, it was not a ton going on. What I liked in the second half is they really said, okay, kind of handed the ball to Altmaier knew they weren't going to win the game, running the football at that point. They had to throw the football, especially when you go down, I believe it was 19 at that point. And what I liked is that they went back to their bread and butter, right? Which is just, okay, let's get Pat Bryant, let's get Isaiah Williams in space, let's give time. And then next thing up, Casey Washington had some big contested catches on third down as well. You gotta give credit to his hands. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, he may not be a burner. He may not be the most imposing guy, but the guy had k- tremendous hands. And for the most part, the protection held up. There were some times where were some breakdowns and Altmaier saved him. And let's just say this, Altmaier, we said Tommy DeVito was good for maybe three, four, four first downs because his ability to run. I think Altmaier was probably five or six in this game that he extended drives. And so really, really good to see that. Tons to work on, but a lot of positive with Luke Altmaier.
1: Yeah. And and let's go to the other positive. It's weird, Jay, because um, the game, our biggest questions – ended up being the strengths of this team the secondary on defense really stood up i want to get into the trench player but uh the secondary yeah. miles scott changing the game xavier scott really good start um i know it wasn't perfect from those guys but uh they were really competitive
0: I, here's the thing. I thought they competed at a very high level. I think, like you said, the biggest questions, quarterback and secondary, were the most resounding answers in the football game. And I think uh, that's a credit to those guys. I think being challenged and saying, hey, we've got to have you guys rise to the occasion. So I think Miles Scott, he actually could have had t- two interceptions, if I remember correctly. He stepped in front of another ball earlier in the game. Maybe in the first quarter had a chance to get one. Xavier Scott is as advertised and you know they're still missing a us remember they're missing some bodies especially the safety position you know it sounds like Tyson Rooks may be back this week uh and he'll be a contributor obviously Matthew Bailey out again probably um and and Tyler Strain went down so then you had uh I think Elijah McCantos came in for him and did did admirably and and fought you know um they didn't have uh, a ton of success passing and we'll get into why that is but for the most part, I thought our, our defensive backs played extremely, extremely well based on the inexperience that was on that back end.
1: I want to take a minute and tell you about Homefield. They are a premium collegiate apparel brand based in Indianapolis. They emphasize their commitment to creating incredibly comfortable, officially licensed apparel with vintage college designs. They feature a growing collection of over 150 plus colleges to choose from, including, of course, the University of Illinois. Homefield designs are super unique, guys, because they delve into the archives and history of each school, including Illinois, and these unique logos and iconic moments create thoughtfully designed apparel. So if you go to Homefield, Apparel.com. you can see the 80s Illini football helmet that so many of you like. Flying Illini logo. The Illinois basketball logo from the 2004-2005 Illini team. The script Illini is there. And you guys, These are the most comfortable shirts and that's what i love about home field apparel you get the comfort but you also get authenticity and nostalgia so i'm telling you guys give their site a look it's not the typical illinois gear you usually see you can find them at homefieldapparel.com where you can see their collection of colleges available and guess what Our listeners at Illini Inquire get 15% off their first order with discount code Illini23. Again, 15% off your first order at homefieldapparel.com with discount code Illini23. So as you go to Illinois football games, get ready for the Illinois basketball season, Home Field Apparel is the perfect apparel to get you ready for the upcoming season. So check them out at homefieldapparel.com. Alright, so let's talk about the, the struggles on the line of scrimmage, Jay. Uh this was this was kind sure. of really surprising. So let's start on the defensive side because uh, I didn't know if it was the way Aaron Henry, you know, was game planning around Daquan Finn, but sure. I thought Keith Randolph ended up having a pretty good game. I thought he was disruptive the last three quarters. But Johnny Newton just wasn't Johnny Newton and the outside linebackers uh really struggled in this one. So what did you what did you see up front?
0: Yeah, so First off, from the jump, I saw that it looked to me there was a a plan to double Newton and Randolph at the point of attack. They thought they could handle our nose tackle, whether that was Daxon or Edwards or whoever it may be. And they were going to double, you know, our four-eye or five-take, whatever Johnny and Keith play, that that inside, interior, defensive end. And, you know, contrary to what we saw last year, uh, early on, I I saw – I didn't see – Newton or Randolph in that first quarter be really stout against the double team Mm -hmm. right I saw them getting the the line of scrimmage being moved by the Toledo double team and really a lot of these running backs were not getting touched until one two yard past the line of scrimmage which is going to lead to a three four five six yard gain and so they weren't stout at the point of attack I was really surprised I thought Toledo played lower I thought the leverage they played with was exceptional I saw a lot of defensive linemen and not just Newton but uh, Seth Coleman, high. I saw them looking above blocks, trying to get off blocks rather than getting that penetration with their hands getting off and then making the play. And so I think it was very disconcerting from just a point of attack where I thought that would be our strength. I saw it at the point of attack, I think Toledo won at the point of attack more times than not. I will give credit to Keith. I think, you know, Keith was a big part of causing that intentional grounding late, which is basically like a sack. I, I give Keith a lot of credit for that. I think Keith, Played better, But I think Johnny knows that the standard for him is, is much higher just based on what he's done. And, and one game certainly doesn't define a, a guy. But I was also, you know, we, we were looking for some big production from Seth Coleman and Gabe Ackes and Alec Bryant. We, we simply didn't get it. And I think they, they know that. I thought they got the edge way too many times. I also thought, and I don't know if this was coached or not, um, but it seemed like. There was so much worry about contain on Daquan Finn, we didn't get a great explosive go-after-it pass rush because we were concerned about rush lanes, right? Let's stay in our rush lanes. It's almost like, oh, my gosh, we're so scared about this, it took us out of our game. Now, to a point, they knew Daquan Finn probably couldn't beat them throwing the ball from the pocket, right? Right. So to a point, that probably helped the defensive backs out in which we already talked about. And we know, hey, unless he's out in the role, he's probably not going to hurt us. But at the same time, Daquan Finn still used his legs a lot, number one. Number two, we really didn't sack him much at all. And we had no edge pressure to turn up the clock. And part of that is because of, and I'm rambling here, we didn't have a lot of success at the point of attack on first down. So when it's second and four, they can run or pass. When it's second and three or third and one or third and two, man, we don't know if they're passing or they're running. What was so great about Illinois' defense is they were really good, actually, on first down last year in which it was no play or negative play. Now we're second and long, and it would be, hey, let's let's bring the dogs after them. Let's rush. Well, we got into a lot of second and four, a lot of third and two. Toledo stayed on schedule better than my sixth grader does in middle school. I mean, it was like they were like boom, boom, boom. You know, like I sorry I just got a middle school that went to school. And, you know, first time you change classes, like, I got 10 classes I got to get to. Right. So you stay on schedule. Right. But like Toledo was on schedule the whole night. And I think that hampered Aaron Henry as a play caller. Uh, and it's really his, I guess, his second game as a play caller, first regular season game as a play caller, because then you don't know what to do. You end up doing a base D that could maybe stop this, maybe stop that. And it was a lot of bending uh, and and, and, and uh, unfortunately breaking it sometimes, but wasn't nearly as stout as we're accustomed to. And I think they need to let loose on the pass rush a little bit more. That was a long-winded answer on the front. No,
1: no, it's, it's great because it felt like, you know, as you said, they were kind of peeking over and look, it felt like it was a read and react kind of thing. When last year, I just right. saw Johnny Newton and Keith Randolph and those guys just pinning back and getting disruption and figure it all out later, right? Um, well,
0: that, that, did you that's see exact, that? That's exactly what I'm talking about yeah. is that when I see guys doing this, it's like trying to fight a guy without looking at him. If they had a boxer blindfolded, you'd probably get beat by the guy who's not blindfolded, right? And so I always say, And coaches say, you gotta defeat your block first, right? And feel, feel where the block's going. Like it's easy to, excuse me, where the ball's going. It's easy when you're watching the game to understand where the ball's going. It's a lot harder, I got a 300 pound guy on me. I've gotta feel, I've gotta defeat him, feel him, recognize how he's trying to block me. Hey, if he's trying to get his ear hole over on this side, the run's probably going off his back. So I've gotta press him, cross his face, but all this time i gotta be penetrating i can't be going backwards i might be able to cross his face i saw lineman cross face six yards down the field and make a tackle six yards down the field a lot of times we saw newton and randolph uh gave ackes make him play six seven yards down the field that's not their play right. they should be making plays at the point of attack that means there was a great push and last year what we saw we saw incredible push extension in the backfield they might not make the play but make a drastic cut by that running back to make him bubble then the linebackers clean it up we didn't see that
1: yeah it's your job Jay to to make those plays it's Dylan Rosiak and Tariq Barnes clean it up their job is disrupt it and maybe they'll run into one but those pressures those disruptions is what made them so effective
0: that's the key I think and And I love what Urban Meyer said one time I think Joey Bosa or Nick Bosa maybe had two sacks or something through four games. And it was lower than his production, kind of like a Johnny Newton situation, right? And I remember urban said this. He said, when I think about a defensive lineman, I don't think about he has this many sacks or has this many TFLs. I think how many plays did he disrupt, right? Mm -hmm. Because his hand is on the ground. He cannot see the entirety of the play or maybe get to the ball carrier. But if you're disruptive, that helps everybody on the team. Even if you make the running back bow one or two steps, that would be the difference between the in the corner and not getting in the corner. So yeah. it's all angles. It's all disruption. And that's what we were looking for. And that's what Johnny was so good at last year. Right. I'm certainly he'll be better moving forward. It's that one game doesn't define him, but I think we want to see more disruption up front.
1: Yeah. I would expect him to bounce back. I would expect this, this defensive group to, to bounce back. Um, but Aaron Henry, like what would you make of, you know, how they attack this thing? It did feel like
0: there were some adjustments in, in the second half there, Jay. Sure. I mean, here's the thing. Um, uh, no one's going to do great in their first couple starts. I mean, I I think Aaron Henry will tell you, man, I learned a lot from that game, right? And I think he's only going to get better. There's a reason that Brett put Aaron Henry at that position, but I don't think it probably was his finest game that he would say that they gave up 29 to a Toledo team and had very, very, had a very difficult time in what I call the three money-making zones of defense, which is third down red zone and turnovers, you know, if you want to be a dynamic defense, you've got to be great on third down. They were not. They were not great on fourth down. They were not. Uh, were they great in the red zone? They were not great in the red zone. Partially they, because they, 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 they shot they themselves in the red zone.
1: Yeah, Partially because they shot themselves, themselves in the they shot themselves in the foot so many times that they
0: oh, 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 <laughs> over and over. Whether it was yeah. the big scramble from DaQuan Finn after the I think it was a grounding penalty, then it was a big scramble or getting a stop by Gabe beginning a beginning stop. On third and 10, and Gabe Ackes gets the uh, late, late, late hit call. Uh, e- even in that first drive with Tariq Barnes, uh, I wasn't able to see what happened, yeah. but obviously there was an unsportsmanlike that continued the play. So a-, a lot of this isn't Aaron Henry's fault. Uh, I mean, uh, schematically, let's just say that, right. right? But you've got to be good on third down. You've got to be good on first down. Y- you were even on the turnover battle, basically. each Each team had one, I believe. And then a lot of that comes down to, though, on third down, we didn't have success on first down. That was the big deal at the point of attack when they were running the football, we did not have success. And so I do think they became a little bit more aggressive. I did see more zone. I did see uh, not as much man, which we thought would happen. Right. And I actually thought, um, you know, we haven't talked about Dylan Rosiak played actually a solid game, Mm -hmm. cleaning some stuff up, right. For really his first start. But you know, when Brett Bielema comes out and says, who's, who's who's very pro player in most of his um i would say pro player meaning he'll speak highly of his players in a press conference really doesn't throw people under the bus you know when he says some of our best players on defense didn't play that great without looking at the film you know there's gonna be some there was some long discussions on sunday about an expectation that needs to be met right and so um i think defensively as a whole um i think aaron henry would say he could be better i think Everybody could be better. Um, I think there are some bright spots, but I do think they got more aggressive. I think they realized they needed to do some more things later on in that game to try to create some turnovers, to try to create some havoc. And for the most part, it worked. There was a third quarter stretch, they were playing at a high level, and the fourth corner kind of broke down a little bit.
1: Offensive line, we expected to be a strength of this team as well. We understand they're working in some new pieces. They had some injuries. They had to move some guys around there, Jay. But you texted me they weren't able to run when they wanted to run. So what did you see up front?
0: First of all, this is the story in the Big Ten West. So uh, you know, I got the privilege to watch a lot of games on on Saturday. You know, and um, well, let's look at Purdue. Purdue against Fresno State had five runs of third and one or fourth and one that they got stopped every time, right? I mean literally every time they could not get a yard against the Fresno State defense. I saw Michigan against a, I believe it was East Carolina or West Carolina. I can't quite remember. They had a third in they 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 ran the same play three times in a row. This is you know the Joe Moore Award winning offensive line in the last two years. They couldn't get a yard when they wanted to get a yard. Um you know so there were definitely teams out there that I was like wow can you run the ball when you want to run the ball is the key, right? That That's the key. And I think we had some struggles with that last year, right? Um, but when we wanted to run the ball and when we wanted to dominate the line of scrimmage, we simply weren't able to do that. Part of that is the offensive line. Part of that is play calling. Part of that is that Reggie Love, I don't know if it was cramps or what, seemed to take a lot of the second and third quarter off. Um, it was, it was Josh McCray in there. I think Josh McCray is still kind of getting his feel for being a running back. Sometimes he kind of got going as the fourth quarter went on, but I, I, I simply didn't see the push up front though, from the line that I saw uh, Matt Millen said it on the broadcast as well. I got, you know, I, we're not seeing the push. I didn't see Isaiah Adams later in the game, getting a really good push from that guard and, and uh, position, but I don't think they moved the line of scrimmage like they thought they were going to move the line of scrimmage. And that's really unfortunate because if we can run the football with a guy like Altmaier, we'll open up the deep passing game. If we can't run the football, it could be a long time before we can stretch the field.
1: The one thing I would say is it felt, you know, this game kind of felt like Indiana a little bit last year with the turnovers and the inability on these third and fourth and shorts. And I I understand, like, I didn't love the fourth down play call because I thought Luke Altmyer was cooking at that time on the turnover on downs. But, like, that's supposed to be your identity. And like Indiana, they weren't able to convert on some of those. So maybe – with time, They can gel. They can figure this out. Got to stay healthy up there, Jay. And uh, I think we saw, you know, when your depth gets challenged a little bit, it gets a little bit dicey.
0: Well, I mean, we, we, we think that the depth has gotten better across the board of Illinois. I was making a joke the other day on another show that the depth at Illinois was about as deep as my um, my sandbox when I was a kid. It wasn't very deep, right? I mean, it was like, you know, you, you dig and you hit the bottom real quick. I mean, we, we'd gotten deeper and deeper and deeper. And they certainly try to get that. But I would say the last place usually to get depth on a football team is the offensive and defensive line. I was talking with um, some guys from Penn State, and they've talked about how they believe at Penn State. Since really everything went down in 2012 with the Sandusky scandal, this is the first time they have depth at the offensive line, and they feel like they're really good. That's how long it took them to get to where they want to. So Illinois is still in progress. One thing I like about Brett Bielema, one thing I like about Bart Miller, is I've seen their line play improve every year from game one, yep. really to game 12. They've had moments, right? But I think they're going to improve. I think the football team's going to improve. Um, I think Brett Bielema comes back in to his team, and I think they're going to give their line play a D for this game on both sides of the ball. Mm-hmm. They, they did not dominate the line of scrimmage like they wanted to. Uh, that was supposed to be the strength. Um, they protected okay at times, but I would say that Altmaier was under more duress than Finn, right? And so both are mobile guys. Finn probably more obviously Altmaier, much more uh, adept passer. But it, it we need to get better and we need to get deeper. There are some definite holes there, and I still that's that's still an area we're building as a program. What is it like?
1: you find a way to win this game and they should be credited for that, right? Like, um, the, the fact sure. that they come and win this game, is there anything different learning from say this win than learning from last year's Indiana loss? Cause it felt, felt like similar games. And this time you win. is there anything different
0: this week? Or is, do you guys approach it the same? I think that's a great question. Um, it's always, it's, I feel like losing imprints it on you more than winning does, uh, just got to be honest, I, I hate that I was like this, but I remember a lot of the bad plays and mistakes even more than I remember some of the good plays. And I hate that sports are like that, right? But that's just the way that I was wired because I felt like those moments hurt our team when I make a mistake or whatnot. And so um, I think there, there's, there's two things to be said about that. Uh, number one is I think in previous years, Illinois would be happy with this win. And don't get me wrong, they're happy. But I think they're concerned as well because they're like, well, this is a wake-up call. You know, we're not as dominant as we thought we were going to be, okay? And then I would say this. After the I, after the Indiana game, okay, I was actually less concerned than I am now. Hmm. And that's because I thought for the most part we dominated up front. If you will remember after the Indiana game, I was positive about this football team. I said, if you go back to the 2021 season, hey, we beat Penn State up front. We beat uh, Minnesota up front. We beat – Northwestern up front, right? We, we dominated the season in 2021 up front. And then in 2022, it carried over to Indiana. I said, guys, there hasn't been a Big Ten opponent that's beat us up front, right? right? Well, this is the first time in a while that I thought we got whipped up front on both sides of the football. And so, am I hitting the panic button? I'm absolutely not. But I am concerned because I don't just look at the wins or losses. Obviously, wins and losses are the most important. No question. I was more optimistic about the team after watching Indiana and see what they did defensively and offensively last year than I am about this football team right now, because if the, if your lines are steady, you have a chance to win a lot of games. If your lines play like they did last week, we're not going to win a ton of games. Bottom line, we don't have enough skill guys to make up for it.
1: Yeah. I think it's a great point. Uh, And then Kansas coming up next, because uh, this, this offense is good. No matter who's playing quarterback. I I think Jalen Daniel is probably going to play in this one. Now, I think Toledo might be better defensively than Kansas, but that's a really good offense, and and your defensive front's going to have to play better. It's a power five team, so your running game's got to be better. Like, what are you looking for most here, Jay?
0: Yeah, so you're going to have a mobile quarterback, right? I mean, whoever's playing, they're athletic. They're going to play. I, I I think this. I want to see this defense let loose a little bit from the upfront standpoint. I think they got to let Gabe Acus and Seth Coleman use your athleticism i understand that you've got to contain right i understand that guys are going to get their yards but those guys are athletic enough to actually make a move and still contain right and so i want to see the up front be be more um be be more resilient it's unfortunate that one of the areas that we're banged up in is the secondary you know um tyler Strang concussed you know with certain protocols i find it hard that he would be able to go on a friday it's unfortunate that you know it's a short week. I, I, that's unfortunate. Um, it's unfortunate Matthew Bailey's knocked up. It's unfortunate that Tyson Rooks has been banged up. So we are a little bit banged up in the secondary. At the same time, they play well. They play well. I think, you know, Miles Scott, they think, can be a star. They think Xavier Scott can be a star. They think Taz Nicholson, is at, as, adver- as advertised, had some penalty problems. We understand that. But I, I think from a defensive standpoint, I think you're going to see more aggression. Okay. I think Aaron Henry is going to be a lot better at getting a pulse of what they're doing. They've done a lot of prep on Kansas. I'm not too worried about a short week prep wise. I'm worried about them with a hot day on Saturday, some injuries and Kansas playing on a Friday, um, how that plays into it. Right. Cause they're getting an extra day, right? Just like we'll get an extra day when we play Penn state, um, you know, in week three. So there's there's a lot of different factors you can't worry about that you can't do that but i do think it goes a lot to be said that this team is finding out how to win right um and a win is a win is a win it is we got to clean that up but kansas is going to be a test i think this is going to be in the 30s and 40s this game i really do i think that you, you you could see a score of 37 35 i think you could see a score of 45 42 like you could based on what our defense was like last game and, and based on what Kansas's defense is like. So I wouldn't be surprised to see that. That's certainly not the game that Brett Bielema likes to get into. We weren't able to control the clock. We weren't able to control time of possessions. And so a lot of it hinges on how's an offensive line going to be? How's Isaiah Adams' knee going to be? How's Zy Chrysler going to be? Hopefully all those guys get back and we can be in the right spot. We don't have to shuffle around like musical chairs.
1: Yeah, Jay, and one thing I wanted to bring up with you, uh, that that clock rule impacted things um, across college football. I mean, I think okay. Illinois had four possessions in, in the first half. So basically, I, I think you can take out two possessions of each game uh, so that it becomes even more
0: critical every time you get the ball. Well, I was thinking about this clock rule, and it should, it should help teams that like to shorten the game, mm-hmm. right? So Illinois – you know, is is beneficial. Now, it kind of backfires when you have to come back, like Illinois had to come back, right? So it backfires a little bit. But I guess I got to see this with uh, the Ohio State-Indiana game. Um, long story short, Indiana is is, is, a, is a strange subset right now. as They ran the triple option against Ohio State, okay? And Ohio State ran more two tight ends and two running backs than I've ever seen. It looked like Jim Trussell football. I don't know if that's a Brian Hartline influence or what. And I know we're going kind of outside the conference here, but I say this because – the last, I mean, Ohio State had one explosive play of over 30 yards. had 42 last year, and they scored 23 points. Rather mundane and underwhelming for what we're accustomed to seeing from Ohio State. But I will say this, who slowed the game down running triple option, just trying to stay close? It was a 7-3 to three game late into the second quarter. It was Indiana, right? They used that rule to their advantage, right? It just kind of sucked the air out of it. And the game went by much faster than we're accustomed to. So that does change things quite a bit. And I think we'll see more and more of that, people losing a possession or two. Yeah,
1: Jay Layman, you're the goods man. Big game this week, Illinois and Kansas. We'll talk about it next week you got it man looking forward to it i'm very excited to announce a new partnership with underdog fantasy we decided to partner with underdog because it's the easiest place to play fantasy sports it's also the fastest growing fantasy app in the industry underdog fantasy has a lot to offer including their pick'em game in pick'em you pick whether your favorite players will have a higher or lower stat total in this week's game for a chance to win big it's so easy to play just pick two to five stats of your favorite players and choose whether they'll go higher or lower you can more than twenty times your amount of money by going five five. They also have a best ball mania. If you think you know football, you got to check this one out. This year's best ball mania is 50 million in total prizes up for grabs with the winner taking home 3 million. So sign up today with promo code Illini and get your first deposit doubled up to $100. Visit underdogfantasy.com or find them in the app store. And don't forget to register with my promo code Illini to get your first deposit doubled up to $100. You must be 18 plus and present in a state where underdog fantasy operates. Terms
0: all right, great stuff
1: as always from Jay Lehman, our All-American linebacker, Alana Enquirer football analyst, and we'll have plenty more at alanaenquirer.com. Coming up this week, we talk with Brett Bielma on Monday afternoon, and Joey Wagner will have the latest from Brett Bielma after that one. Injuries, what he saw watching the film, and then we'll talk with coordinators on Tuesday. So we'll get Barry Loney Jr. and uh, Aaron Henry's thoughts on what they saw from their first game, and then we got a quick turnaround. We will get you previewed for a big game at kansas and uh, kansas didn't start off all that well uh in in their first game against you know missouri state not not a great team obviously out of the fcs but uh their offense is explosive and i think no matter who the quarterback is but uh, Jalen daniels sounds like he is likely to play that spread started off minus four, now down to minus three or minus three and a half in some areas. I think the early preview is Kansas has an explosive offense, but only should be able to score on Kansas. That defense is not very good. It wasn't very good last year. Missouri State was able to score on Kansas a little bit uh, in their opener. And uh, you would think with Luke Altmaier and with an offensive line that you'd expect to play a little bit better, I think I think Toledo's defense is better than Kansas. But I think Kansas' offense is is more explosive, and they have uh, an even more talented quarterback. So that's going to make things really interesting. It's just a fascinating matchup. But uh, Illinois, probably feeling a heck of a lot better being 1-0 and rather than 0-1 going into this one. So even though you uh, survive by the hair on your chinny-chin-chin against Toledo, you have a win. You are 1-0, and and now you're going to Kansas, looking to be 2-0. and And if you can get home, get a little bit more rest than Penn State – and you try and shock the world on big noon kickoff, maybe you're receiving some votes. I I think it would take a pretty impressive performance for Illinois to be ranked uh, after beating Kansas, but Kansas and Toledo are two teams that have been receiving votes as well. So those would be two pretty good wins if you can find a way to start the non-conference 2-0 heading into that Penn State game. We'll have plenty of coverage at Illini Enquirer. been really proud of what we've done the first week of the season. Um, Got my film review up. Takes a little bit of time to do it, but it's – It's always good to go back and look at these things. And again, Jay Lehman will have his film review. And it's just when you can see what's happening on the screen and you got Jay Lehman breaking down what he sees pre-snap, during the snap, what went wrong, um, the scheme, what went well, what didn't go well, uh, it's always great to see. So sign up for VIP membership now, 50% off. That's more than $60 of savings at Illini Inquirer. But that deal is expiring very soon. So if you want to become a VIP member, get access to those film reviews, um, which you learned so much football, go ahead and do that now. Thank you for listening to the I Choir Podcast. Give us a follow, rating, review, wherever you get your podcasts. Check us out on YouTube where you can check out the Jay Layman interview there. Uh, You can check that out as well. Subscribe to us. Hit the notifications bell. And uh, we appreciate all the support over there as well. Everybody have a great day. Take care of each other. We'll talk to you next time right here on the I Choir Podcast.
0: Bye, everybody.